0: Hi, my name is Lindsay Adams, and you are listening to Mindful as a Mother. I have been so excited to tell you that my course is finally ready. I will be launching soon, and I cannot wait for you guys to see this. The topic is coping for kids How to Help Your Child Manage Difficult Emotions Without the Meltdown. I know that so many of you are going to love and benefit from this. So if you want to get on my waiting list to find out more information as soon as it's available, go to the link in the show notes and put your name and email in and then you can be the first to know. Okay, so you know I love KiwiCo. You know that I love spending one-on-one time with my kids Every month I am just in awe about how affordable it is, how well it's put together, and how much my kids love it and are engaged by it. Everything is portioned out. There's the amount of supplies that you need so you don't have 7,000 googly eyes. You don't have to go to Michaels 16 times and I I really think I did the math on this latest box and to get the supplies for one of the activities I would have had to spend more than I spent on my whole month for the box. So, if you had any hesitation, this is your permission, order it now. Your kids will thank you. Your relationship with your kids will thank you. Go to the show notes and click on the link And then enter your email to get 30% off your first box. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. My name is Lindsay Adams and I am your host. I am a child therapist and mindful motherhood educator. This week, I am going to share the biggest lessons that I have learned in motherhood. And this is my first solo episode in a minute, so I'm really excited to share these lessons with you. How I came up with this topic is I've been thinking a lot lately because my oldest son just turned six, which is like the anniversary of motherhood to me as well, and I'm doing my first big scary thing and launching this course about teaching your kids coping skills, and so I've just been really reflecting on how I got here, and that's made me... Think of how different I am from when I became a mother. I'm not even really the same person. It really has changed me for the better. And so I thought it would be fun to just share the different things that I've learned and talk about how we learn lessons in motherhood and how we truly can grow and change as a parent, no matter how our journey starts out or what we are like in the beginning as a mother. So In order to understand my lessons, you have to understand where I came from and how I came into motherhood and what I was like when I came into motherhood. And I promise this will all make sense, but this beginning part is so important to my personal journey. If you're new around here, you might not know that my husband and I experienced infertility before we were able to have children. Trigger warning infertility okay so shortly after my husband and I got married I had to have a surgery for my endometriosis which I had had since my teenage years so I have the surgery everything goes well and they tell me after that appointment they don't really explain it very well to me but they tell me that you should probably consider having children soon because of your endometriosis. It's going to be harder to have children the older you get. So I talked to Tim and we're like, all right, let's do this. Which in hindsight, we were not ready to be parents, not ready to be having kids. So... Um, And we thought it would happen like very quickly. (laughs) It didn't. So anyway, we tried for about a year until we realized like, okay, something is off here. And I thought it was me because of the endometriosis. So we tried some of like Clomid if you're, you know, familiar with that. Then eventually we got sent to a, a reproductive endocrinologist and they tested Tim's sperm. And I feel comfortable sharing this because he shared it already in his episode that he was on. And it was like very low to no sperm. So they tell us we have a less than a 1% chance of getting pregnant naturally. And we need to have IVF, which is very expensive. And not only do we need IVF, we need like the special, most expensive ICSI IVF at the time. So, uh, so that was that was great. Anyway, <laughs> I was completely devastated. I had no idea how we were ever going to become parents, how we were ever going to afford it. Uh, Thank you to my husband's job at Bort Longyear Drilling. Woo woo. Um, Because that is how our children have come on this earth. So at this point we think like, okay, it's been a year. We're going to to do an IVF cycle and I'll get pregnant. It's going to be fine. Uh, not fine did not work and we had no embryos left to freeze. We got pregnant with Sam after three years, three or four years on our fifth IVF cycle. It that period in my life is the darkest, most anger, sadness, devastating tragedy filled time in my life. So, we finally get pregnant. We're happy. I I have all these expectations about motherhood and I would always get so excited and read all of like blogging was getting really big back then. Um, these motherhood blogs or pregnancy blogs and things people were buying for their baby. And I was just so excited to become a mom. And during this time I had decided, well, if I'm not getting pregnant, I might as well be like get a master's degree. So that's when I became a therapist. Shortly after I graduated and see... If you think about this the timing is impeccable so good on you god you know what you were doing I don't know anything um I we do our IVF cycle and I get pregnant with twins and at about and I was so excited I have twin brothers I think of it as a two for one because of all the IVF and I just can't wait but I'm really nervous Well, 12 weeks in, we find out that I miscarried a twin. Also devastated. It was really a tough time for me because it it was the weirdest feeling in the entire world because there's so much grief and loss and so much joy that you're still pregnant with one because I tried so hard to get this one baby and so much anxiety about if he was going to be okay. The rest of my pregnancy goes totally fine. 38 weeks, 5 days, my water breaks. Um, I go into labor. Everything's normal. I labor and push for a real long time. Uh, Sam was sideways in the birth canal. I didn't know a lot about like birthing or having kids or how long you should push at this point. I... I knew nothing so i'm thinking everything's fine he comes out and he has a little bit of a temperature they're saying they think he'll calm down with skin to skin but he won't nurse he's crying super fussy well then he starts turning blue and not being able to breathe they put him on oxygen and he this is about like two or three hours after he's born um he starts turning blue and they have to life flight him to a different hospital because the hospital I delivered in didn't have a NICU. I did not know that. And if any new mom, I would recommend that any hospital you give birth in has a NICU because you just never know. So they have to lifelight him. They allowed him to go on the life flight. We literally do not know if he's going to live or die. They had to intubate him on the helicopter ride if you asked him the scariest worst moment of his life that was it also mine because i'm alone in a hospital after just giving birth my friend came back and got me and then took me to the other hospital i was a so i had had an epidural but it didn't work very well. Thank goodness. And so I just like, I was like, I'm leaving here. You're going to have to sedate me or I'm bouncing. And so they like finally got the on-call doctor in to check me out because I could walk, but I couldn't fill any prescriptions or anything. And it was pretty, uh, getting later into the evening and it was a Sunday. So I spent all night at the, the hospital with like no medication after just giving birth. I would 10 out of 10 would not recommend ever doing that. And that whole time is a blur. I just remember the nurse telling me, you just need to go sleep. Because I was just like pacing. I didn't know what I was doing. We were exhausted. I had been up all night giving birth. I barely slept. But we finally figured out a couple days in that Sam had group B strep. Because I wasn't tested properly and at the right time. So I wasn't given antibiotics during birth. And then pushing for such a long time, you know. And then he had a subgaleal bleed from his head from being a little bit sideways in the birth canal and his head. So while we were going through all that and figuring out that he was eventually going to be okay, they literally would not tell us if our child was going to live or die until like the fourth day in. It was the worst and hardest four days of my life and to go from such extreme joy like finally having this baby after four years of infertility to extreme fear and anxiety and sadness is i it's something I cannot even describe anyway he spends two weeks in the NICU he gets out he he's healthy he you know he has some follow-up stuff but he's alive he's healthy we're happy so here I am new mom and I, at this point, was so anxious. I mean, I was anxious anyway, but then you add this in and I'm very anxious. I just want to be the best mom possible. And the idea that I had in my head about motherhood is very different than what it actually looks like. You know, those TikToks that are like how it started versus how it's going? Very different. My first lesson, and this is the very first lesson I ever learned being a mom, is Expect the unexpected. I had planned to bring a baby home. That's not what it looked like. My first few weeks with baby, first few days with baby were not how I expected. With Sam, he has had some struggles and special needs. We're still working on, you know, diagnosing, but he's neurodivergent. Expect the unexpected. I was told I was having one baby when I got pregnant with my girls. Four weeks later, I was told I was having twins. Expect the unexpected. You can plan. You can prepare. You can read every pregnancy motherhood blog. You can follow every gentle, conscious parenting Instagram page. You can literally be a child therapist. I know because it happened. And the unexpected is still going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, but it will happen. Before motherhood, I was very rigid. I still am, if you ask Tim, but I wanted, I planned everything. I wanted it to go a certain way. I had timelines for things. And literally my journey into motherhood was like, F you, there is no timeline. You are not in control here. And... If I, I should have just learned that lesson with infertility, it would have been a little bit easier coming into the rest of it, but you're not in control. There's, there's no control. You do the best you can. You adjust every day, but it's a wild ride and expectations and getting caught up on things needing to be a certain way will only make you lose out on important moments and precious time. I feel really sad uh, when I think back at the first couple months of Sam's life because I was so anxious about just having him here and feeling like things needed to be a certain way that I didn't really truly enjoy that time, I felt like. I really struggled with wanting to be a good mom because I didn't know... If and when that opportunity would end and I felt like I had fought so hard to get there that I had to do everything perfectly and that left me getting caught up in the stuff that isn't really motherhood. The, the cleaning, the cooking, the newborn photos, the monthly pictures, the all the things, right? And it wasn't actually about the relationship part of motherhood, which is the most important piece. I'm not saying he doesn't have a secure attachment or anything like that. I'm just saying that I pushed myself to recover, to be the perfect housewife and mom, rather than allowing myself like the freedom to just like spend all day in bed snuggling my baby. And if I was able to be a little less rigid and have less expectations of myself, then I would have been able to enjoy that time more and then I also look at his younger years and him struggling and his behaviors sometimes and if I had had less expectations of him and then I would have enjoyed him more and he probably would have enjoyed me more I was so caught up in why he wasn't behaving a certain way and what was quote unquote wrong with him that I was so busy trying to fix it that I didn't just like let him be the beautiful little soul he is. And so my journey into like conscious parenting and gentle parenting is through Sam. Like Sam has taught me all of these lessons because he showed me that Listen, I'm going to do things my way and I am still a beautiful soul and creature and it's not going to look how you want to look, mom, because you need to be challenged and things need to not go how you plan and you need to learn to accept that and roll with it. I truly believe that that's a lesson that I need to learn on this earth and part of his job is teaching me that. So, that is how I am have come into conscious and gentle parenting. And why I'm so passionate about it because I've really seen how much it has helped me and changed my viewpoints and the amount of joy that I see in my child and in myself and our relationship because instead of struggling with him, I truly enjoy him and I focus on his strengths and I see what a beautiful gift he is to the world. So... Lesson one, let go of all your expectations. Number two, nothing is important and everything is important. This one I learned a little later, probably after I had my girls. Um, And really, it's just that the things we think that matter don't really actually matter. We think that where they sleep matters. We think that what brand of clothes they matter, or if they're wearing hand-me-downs, or how nice their bassinet is matters. We think that their behavior matters. We think that their grades and academic performance matters. And then we just realize that none of it matters. I mean, to some degree it matters, but it's not as important as we think it is. And... I think having three small kids, it's kind of like, you know, you see, like, first-time moms doing everything, like, overpacking the diaper bag, being so prepared for everything. I think it's a commercial. And then, like, the second-time mom just, like, throws a diaper in her back pocket. That's that's kind of where this came from, right? Like, the things that matter aren't the things that I thought mattered going into motherhood. Zero percent of them. If he could sign was, like, a big thing for me with Sam doesn't matter. The thing that matters is the relationship and that is the thing that will always matter. The most is the relationship and that I am teaching my children to be good kind adults. Bottom line. So when you get caught up in those other things just remind yourself nothing matters and everything matters. The dinners together matter, the times you color together, the snuggles those all matter much more than if your child is a straight-A student or if they co-slept or if they drank milk or if they were formula-fed or if, they, if you allow them to eat french fries. This last one is the biggest one. And I've kind of touched on it, but it's the most important one. Nothing will bring out all of your issues like parenting or marriage. But we're just going to talk about parenting here. There is something about being a parent that makes you examine every little trauma that's ever happened to you, every trigger, every belief that you have, every expectation that you have, every viewpoint that you have on life. And it will present them to you one by one and give you the opportunity to heal and grow with your child or to continue to be stuck with that situation trauma trigger emotion. So when I'm having a strong reaction to my children to a situation with parenting to the workload of motherhood I ask myself is this something about me that I need to work on and I need to heal. Most of the time it is, and it's not necessarily about my child's behavior or, let me give you an example. I really struggle with feeling disrespected and not listened to. It makes me so angry and I just want to yell at them. Well, most of the time they're not listening because of their ages, right? And it takes a few times of telling them something for them to process it and do it. So eventually I had to ask myself, why is this situation creating so much anxiety in me? And what I found was that there have been times in my life, whether in my childhood, in my relationship with my own mother, or in adulthood and previous relationships, that I didn't feel heard and I felt blatantly disrespected. And those are things that I needed to work on and heal in order to be less triggered by the behaviors of my children. In doing that, I am way less reactive to them because I'm getting my own support. I recognize that it's about me. It's not about them. It's not about the fact that they're not listening to me. It's about the fact that I struggle when people don't listen to me and I don't feel heard. And so I'm not as reactionary with them and in turn, that makes my interactions with them so much easier because when they're not listening and I'm not personalizing it or taking it on, I'm able to respond to them calmly, which makes them listen faster. But if I come in like a bat out of hell, yelling and screaming, saying, go to your room, you're in timeout, whatever, it's just going to cause a tantrum and make everything take a thousand times longer. And I'm possibly going to create trauma for them. So nothing brings out your triggers or unprocessed emotions, feelings, shit like parenting. Get a therapist, get a journal, meditate, be aware of what reactions you're having when you're when you're having them and work on that shiz. Okay. Okay. I just gave you a few tangible tips, but I want to To talk a little bit about how we learn lessons and why it can be so hard to change a parenting style or adjust our parenting in the middle. It's never too late. Our brain is so amazing. And if you've studied or Googled neuroplasticity at all, it is really the most fascinating thing. And we are totally able to rewire our brains, but it takes time, it takes patience, and it takes awareness. And this is how we learn these lessons in motherhood so that we can rewire our brains to think different thoughts, have different reactions, and create different connections and different relationships than we had with our child before or the ideal or just the relationships that we want to have with our child. The first thing to remember is that changing patterns and habits is hard. Our brain is literally working against us. If you've heard me talk about neuroscience before, you've heard me say neurons that fire together, wire together. I did not create that. It's a common phrase when it comes to neuroplasticity. But when we think a certain thought, when we do a certain thing every single day, our brain gets used to doing that and it almost becomes like autopilot, Did you know that we think 98% of the same thoughts every single day? When I first heard that, I was like, nah, not true. And then I was a little more aware the next day and I was like, oh yeah, totally true. Like the same thoughts go through my head all day. That's why we can like drive somewhere and not remember how we got there. Just be, Our brain just goes on autopilot. If we do the same thing every day, the same routine, the same thoughts, the same behaviors, the same reactions, that's why sometimes when we're in an argument with our spouse, we're like responding before we even hear what they have to say because they say the same thing all the time, it feels like, and our brain just knows, okay, well, this is my conditioned response to what they are saying to me. The first step to changing that is awareness. So if I want to change yelling at my kids in the morning, I have to be aware of the times where I'm yelling at them or I'm frustrated with them. And then I have to try really hard and physically do something different. When I do that, my brain is going to freak out. It's going to say, this is not how we do things. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable and go back to the original way. We can even get in a habit of doing things a new way and have a stressor or have an extra thing come on us or an extra frustration and our brain will revert back to the original way. So creating these changes is a very difficult, it's doable, but you have to stick with it and give yourself a lot of grace. Being very aware of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, very aware of your reactions, and giving yourself grace when you slip up. It's okay that sometimes we revert back to our programming. That's what I call it. Our programming from childhood, from past experiences, from how we've done things, the way our brain just wants to go. You can give yourself grace by creating affirmations for yourself, by doing self-care, and by having a really solid support system to process and talk about these things with. When we're making these changes, it takes time. You can't give up. Thinking of it as a journey rather than a destination is so helpful when doing this. So for me, instead of thinking of myself as trying to become an ideal, conscious, respectful, whatever we're calling it, parent. I think of myself on this parenting journey. So today I'm going to try and do a little better than I did yesterday. That's it. I'm not going to focus on an end goal or a destination because it takes time and it takes consistent effort and then one day you'll look back and be and realize how far you've come. I look back on my first days of being a mom and the things that I thought were important and I look back on when I first realized that Sam was behind or was struggling and I am totally different than I was then. Because it's been a journey. Every day I've learned and I've grown and I've implemented new things. And you can do the same thing. You can rewire your reactions. There are literally things that used to piss me off so bad that my kids would do that I don't even like bat an eye at anymore. And it's because I have worked so hard to change the way I react to it. And eventually my brain caught up with me and it doesn't even have that reaction anymore. So stick with it. It takes time. If you don't expect perfection of yourself, it's easier to stick with things. Just try to be a little bit better than you were yesterday. Don't expect perfection of yourself. Last tip, and then we'll get to the mom bells. I want you to close your eyes, take a deep breath, and imagine the mom that you want to be. What does that mom feel like? How does she show up and interact with her kids? Is she patient? Is she present? Is she intentional? Now, I want you to pick one small thing from that visualization and try and implement it. Maybe that mom doesn't frantically clean around her kids when they're playing with play-doh or crafts and she sits down and does crafts with them. Maybe that's the thing that you want to work on. Pick that one small thing and start doing it. It all starts with a small step no matter how small. Maybe that mom spends a little more one-on-one time with her kids or doesn't yell at them in the morning Focus on one small step and implement it. Then at the end of the day, you can ask yourself, if you did that one thing, then you were successful today. What am I going to do tomorrow? And take one small step tomorrow. It has been such a joy and honor to share my lessons from motherhood with you and some tips that I have. I hope that you found them useful. Now, for the funny part of our podcast, the mom fails. The mom fails are real good, and I think that's because I haven't done them in a while. So they feel extra funny today. I had to explain what masturbation is to my daughter after watching an episode of Pen15 with her. Just for reference, the daughter is middle school aged, so um, (laughs) her face is what she wrote. I, (laughs) I am, it's so important to have these conversations and be open with our kids about these things. And I am just dreading it, to be honest with you. (laughs) I, I know this mom personally, and I know she's very open about bodies and sex and does a very good job. And so I can imagine the conversation was very informative, But (laughs) I'm just dreading my kids being this age because it feels awkward and funny. It's more like I'm afraid I'm going to laugh because I'm like an immature child than like be be able to have like a mature conversation about these things. But I'm going to try real hard. So kudos to you, mom. You deserve a massage or something for having that conversation. Also, I've never seen Pen15, but I've heard it's funny. I need to check that out. From multiple people, I've heard it's funny. Number two, I forgot it was early day for my first grader. Okay, in this mom's defense, it was the first day of school. And I do not understand why they do early day on the first day of school. I almost forgot it, and I'm lucky that I was there. So this boy is in Sam's class, and so that's how I know. And then she submitted it through my Instagram. So girl, I feel you. I don't understand that. I also know that lots of schools are changing their early day schedule. I feel very lucky that ours is staying like Friday is early day. That's what I always grew up with. But there's certain schools that do it like Monday or Wednesday or they late start a certain day and it's like, let's just keep it Friday afternoon because that makes the most sense to me and to most people and If it's consistent everywhere, then parents will never forget, right? But if it's like a random Monday, you betcha I'm forgetting my kid. And, you know, the first day of school. (laughs) It's okay. He'll forgive you, I'm sure. The next one is, my kid's colored with ballpoint pens on my leather car seats. This one hurts. I can see the dents in the car seat from the pen in my brain. And I, I'm i a pen person. I love pens. And so my kids are always trying to like steal my pens to color with because they like them. And it just, ugh, yeah. I hope you were able to get it out. I hope the dents aren't too deep. Kids are truly awful sometimes. The next one is the slime one. And I don't know if I've shared about how oh, slime... <laughs> how much I dislike slime. So when we had our foster daughter, she was very into slime and it always ended up in my younger girl's hair or in the carpet. And so I had learned some tricks to get it out. And so this mom said we were playing with slime and an entire container ended up in the curly hair, two-year-old foster daughter's hair. We were sitting right there. Neither me or my husband saw her do it. Luckily it came right out with a shower sprayer. I thought I was going to be cutting a chunk out of hair. Yeah, the good thing about slime is it does come out easily in the shower with conditioner. If it's in your carpet, use vinegar. It will come out um, like almost straight vinegar and a little bit of water. And it comes out pretty easily. Um, Slime is straight from the devil. I don't know who thought this would be a good idea. It's like Play-Doh on crack. I would rather have Play-Doh everywhere than slime. So I'm glad that that is not a phase that I have to be in anymore. The final and funniest one that was submitted was, my son started a fire in his room with his hoverboard. That's how it started out. And I was like, oh, I've got to read this. It wasn't on purpose, but it was a huge, terrifying mess. The lithium battery in the hoverboard overcharged, got too hot and started a fire. So let me just like give you a PSA on lithium batteries because she explained it. And I think it's really good to know so that You don't start a fire. And then I will tell you about my pre-mom fail of starting a fire. So note to anyone, don't mess around with leaving anything with a lithium, sorry, battery plugged in too long or using a cord that wasn't specifically for that device. That goes for anything big or small. The firefighters that came to our home explained that lithium batteries are great for a quick and lasting charge. But they are also really dangerous because this happens all the time. Never use an off-brand cord. Always contact the manufacturer and purchase a replacement cord from the manufacturer. Whew, well, there you go. Um, I am going to go unplug everything that has a lithium battery in it now. I don't know what I would do if something started on fire in my child's room. I'd probably freak out. I am not calm in a crisis. I think I've told you all that before. Not calm. So Tim and I were married. I don't think we had kids. Maybe we just had Sam. And I, you know, those Scentsy warmers that used to like plug into the wall, like the portable ones. like well, I had had one of those and I think we did have Sam because I had taken the, the top part off. So it was just like a nightlight in our room because I... I didn't want him like messing with the wax well I had gone to change our bedding and I just like threw blankets off the bed to, to wash the sheets and one of the blankets had fallen on this nightlight and sat there well we go to get in bed that night and we're putting the sheets on and Tim's like what the hell smells in here and he lifts up the blanket and there is a legit huge hole in the blanket from this night light that had like lit it on fire a huge circle um, and it went also through like a huge quilt that I had like a very thick quilt and um, luckily our house didn't start on fire and it didn't really like burn the bulb the bulb was still on it just burnt through the blanket so we are very fortunate and I'm just going to caution you be careful with your lights and your scentsy warmers so you don't start a fire in your house too. Once again, thank you for tuning in. I will be back next week, and I hope you have a great week. Be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. If you want more of mindful as a mother, you can find me on Instagram at linds_adams_lcsw. Once again at Linz, L-I-N-D-S, underscore Adams, L-C-S-W.